America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, Exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. We're here in Petersburg, Virginia, where there's a crucial House race that could determine whether or not uh, there's Democrats control the House. We'll talk to several candidates here uh, about uh, those races and discuss how critically important it is for black voters who turn out in significant numbers in this city, where they make up a large part of the population but, but are not voting at our numbers. Also, Republican Governor uh, Glenn Young can change uh, the rules when it came to formerly incarcerated folks. We'll talk to an NAACP, the NAACP says it was discriminatory. We'll talk to a grassroots organization about efforts here uh, to get those formerly incarcerated their right to vote. Also, Gary Flowers, uh, longtime radio uh, host here in Virginia. We'll check with him about uh, these critical races as well. Plus, on the national level, Democrats are seeing significant erosion among black voters. What must they do uh, to reach those African-Americans and get them to turn out in big numbers? We'll discuss that more right here. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he 
Folks, we're here in Petersburg, Virginia, uh, partnering with the House Democrats here, focusing on critical races across this state. All uh, statewide offices in Virginia are up for uh, election in November, and African-American Americans will play a critical role in uh, electing folks. That's if we actually show up. Uh, and so early voting has already ended, but uh, they've, they've added this, expanded this here uh, in uh, Petersburg. I'll explain that a little bit later. Uh, but again, when we talk about our power, you heard me say this numerous times, that it's one thing to say we represent 20, 30, 40, 50 percent of the electorate. But then the question is, what is the actual turnout? And so percentages don't mean anything if you're not actually voting your power. Folks learned this in this area uh, when an African-American was running in the most recent election, uh, but rural turnout was a lot higher. Turnout in Petersburg was not as a result. That candidate lost by some 200 votes. Uh, and so now you have uh, battles being drawn all across this state. Uh, if Democrats pick up three seats in Virginia, just pick up three seats, they flip three seats, Virginia will get its first black Speaker of the House in state history. That says a whole lot. <laughs> And so when we talk about your vote matters for African-Americans, that is the actual case. When we go to the polls, and not just as individuals, but a call upon our neighbors and friends and church members and fraternity and sorority, brothers and sisters and folks who are Lynx and who are Eastern Star and Prince Hall Mason, you name it. Uh, because again, uh, having us register is one thing, but we have to also turn out. Uh, that's a whole nother thing. And so we're going to be talking with several candidates uh, who are running. Uh, we'll also be talking to folks uh, who follow politics here in Virginia about this very issue. First up, I want to bring up our first candidate, Destiny LeVere Bowling, uh, Democratic candidate for Virginia's 80th House District. Come on up. Yeah, your turn. Let's go. <laughs> so, Destiny, how you doing? Doing well, how are you? All good, all good. So first of all, how's the campaign going thus far? It's going well. I don't have an opponent, so even better. Well, that's it. It's, it's very good. Uh, but still, folks need to hear uh, from you in terms of uh, what you want to focus on and what do you want to uh, focus on, uh, and that is going back to uh, the State House. Yeah, so um, I originally started running um, in June primary. I had a heck of a primary. And I look to Henrico County. Um, I want to make sure that our constituents there, I being one of them, um, are able to get accessible and affordable health care. And that means lowering the cost of prescription drugs and also streamlining the process for family members to be able to get the certifications needed to become those home health care aides. Um, so that they can care for their loved ones in the time of need. I'm also big on making sure we have access to affordable and uh, strong infrastructure on rural broadband. That's a big thing. I'm from, I'm a country girl, and so that's really important to me to ensure that we have access to that, because now internet is just a basic human right, in my opinion. And so we need to make sure that we have access to that. Wanna, other, wanna oh, go, I want to go back to the home health care part, Absolutely. because if you it. look at uh, across the country, a uh, significant number of jobs are being created uh, in that space. Yes. Uh, that's been the case really for the past decade, and it's only going to increase as baby boomers get older, and then uh, Gen X all of a sudden then begins to hit. They 60 plus. That's right. That's right. 
Um, and it's critical. So for me, I was a sole caregiver for my grandmother who had dementia who recently passed. And I saw that in Virginia, the system to navigate it to just get the basic needs that one may need is just too difficult. When you're already seeing your loved one decline in their health, you can't go to Virginia Department of Health and call your local uh, Department of Social Services and talk to nursing staff and try to find home health care. The system is just too convoluted. And so that's something that I'm really going to work to improve. And as I said, this is also go right ahead. This is also an economic piece because, again, this is an opportunity for African Americans to create businesses Absolutely. in that space. Absolutely, the small businesses for African Americans. We know here in Virginia that we are strong in that, and that we can be stronger. And home health care is a great avenue for us to improve our small business ventures. And so, I'm hoping that uh, once I'm elected. All of us across the state are going to join together and ensure that we have the opportunities needed um, so that we can bring back some strong jobs and great small businesses. You were talking about rural broadband, and there are a lot of Republicans across the country uh, who are making announcements and sending out press releases touting the millions coming to their area, uh, but nearly all of them voted against it in Congress. And so it's it. quite interesting <laughs> to have folks taking credit for stuff they never supported. Hmm. That's a, that is just the Republican way of things. That is what they do. Um, and so for broadband, we know the Biden-Harris administration has given us that infrastructure money. Um, and in my district, Henrico County, we had a little over 400 addresses to this day that had zero access to internet service. I'm talking about families that have small children, elderly folks who can't apply for those social services or uh, fill out things for their retirement, something like that, uh, because they didn't have internet access. They had to wait and go to a McDonald's or a Starbucks or drive into the city to get help. And so luckily, our Board of Supervisors are amazing and they uh, went for the VATI grant program and are now getting that money and ensuring that those residents have internet access. And that is what I'm hoping that um, other localities across the state are doing and will continue to do, and the state's going to make it easier for them um, after that grant money is distributed. But let's also talk about, because we talk about rural, unfortunately, when you look at mainstream media, whenever you hear rural voters, that really means white. Uh, and whether it's Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Louisiana, many places, when you talk about rural voters, we also talk about African Americans. You, you better believe it. And I'm from a small area. I'm from King George County, Virginia, right in the northern neck. How many people? Now, I, I don't know how many people now. I can't even tell you. When you were there, what? <laughs> Four, five hundred? Just messing with you. No, it was a little bit more than that. Add, add a zero. <laughs> add one more zero. Y'all had more than one traffic light? Right, just a little bit. Uh, but my graduating class was under 300 kids. Right, and so I'm talking about that Damn, kind of small. small. Yes, in that okay. kind of rural. And I was used to being the on, only little pepper flake in a, in a class of all white kids. And so um, we are talking about African Americans in the rural areas because we are the farmers. We are those that provide and pay taxes in those areas. And so um, we need to include those folks as well. What do you say? Uh, I'm going to play a video a little bit later. Uh, there are a lot of folks. Uh, who are commenting on what's happening in Israel and Gaza, and they're commenting on people that some are expressing disappointment with President Biden, saying, I'm not going to vote at all. And, and, and I remember I had somebody over the weekend, I had to school them, uh -oh. because uh, th this brother was talking about checking out of the process is not for us. And I literally said, that's about the dumbest thing in the world to you to say, I said, because you're know. paying taxes in a system that you want to check out of, so therefore you're going to let those who oppose everything that we support to be in complete control. I said, that's pretty dumb to me. Mm -hmm. and, so how, and so what do you say to that person who is watching or listening uh, who says, you know what, I just don't believe in any of this and it doesn't matter? 
but it matters because all of the laws that legislators, like whom I hope to be in a, in a couple weeks, um, we make decisions on our everyday lives, right? We're, we're doing taxes, health care, public education, women's health care rights. All of those decisions are being made in the state house in Richmond. And so, yes, you do need to get out and vote, exercise your right, because it is a right. And my grandmama fought hard for it, and so did a lot of us in this room. Uh, and so we're going to make sure that we keep it, we protect it, and that we use it and use our voices, because a vote is your voice, and everyone needs to know that. And when we talk about, because uh, I'm a firm believer, and I, I say this all the time, how we have to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. So there's somebody who, uh, again, watching and listening, not really understanding what a state lawmaker does, what a county executive does, what a city council member does. Uh, and so nearly everything we talk about we want, government plays in, plays a role in it. Even when you hear these people talk about uh, job creation and things along those lines, they don't pay any attention to tax tax finance districts, uh, pay any attention to uh, R&D grants uh, and the tax incentives that uh, states and counties and cities actually give to corporations. Yes. So it's not just, oh, this company just somehow got it all Here. done on their own. Right. In fact, even when you have a major company come in, the state is building roads and access ways to that facility, so yes. your state dollars are still impacting that. Yes. Uh, in my district now, we have a new Amazon facility, and they are they have redone a place that has gone overlooked and underfunded. They have now built up a brand new shopping center. I've got lights next to my house, new paved roads, when before it was potholes and, and unpaved and unsafe. And who paid for that stuff? I did, and right. so did the rest of the people in the right. county. So, so people understand, Amazon didn't pay for that. No. Those were incentives the state right. gave to them to build their city, right. we'll build the infrastructure. Yes, and that is important. We pay our Y'all agree with that one, huh? You're like, oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> we pay our tax dollars, and we live here, and so we need to care about where we live. And to care is to vote, and it is to hold elected officials accountable. When you vote for them, that means you go to their office, you make the phone calls, you email, you knock on their door, because guess what? We are your neighbor. And so you need to go and have those conversations and let them know what you need and how you need it so that we can get it done. That's what I call the process after. I say the election is the end of one process and the beginning of another. And I think what often happens is, and I hear this a lot, people in our chat rooms when I travel around the country, they say, yeah, but I voted. I'm going, yeah, but that's not enough. <laughs> I said, because trust me, there are other people they are going and they are making demands. They are asking yes. of things. They're showing up at committee meetings as well yes. to yes, make sure these are. things get done. Yes. And as somebody who covered city council, who covered county government, I was in those meetings. And a lot of times, the only time I saw us show up, we were pissed off about something. Right. Right. And we can't wait till we get tired because the secret is black people are always tired. Right. And when we're tired, we have to do something. We don't just go home and lay down. So we do need to show up to those meetings, whether it is at the General Assembly or locally. I don't care if it's your civic association or the board of supervisors or school board meetings. You have to be there because your voice needs to be heard and not just when something goes wrong or when you feel unheard. You need to be there because things are happening with and without your knowledge. And you should be there to hold elected officials accountable. Uh, what else? Uh, a couple other things that uh, you would make a priority uh, going to the state house. Yes, yeah, so um, I, I work for labor unions. I'm a union member myself, and it is crucial that we um, support and bolster our apprenticeship programs. That is another way for members of the black community um, to get jobs and navigate our way to success in the Commonwealth. Um, so I want to do that and make sure that we protect the minimum wage increase that we've gotten. There have been several attacks over the years to decrease that, um, but we're going to protect it and also increase it because we know that the cost of living is going up. 
and our wages need to go up with it. Um, so that's something else that I'll do. And of course, public education. I'm a former teacher, and so I understand what parents, teachers, and our support staff are going through. So making sure we get those reading and math intervention specialists is my top, top priority, as, of course, aside from the rhetoric of paying our teachers more, which we already know. Teachers are more than teachers these days. They are counselors, they're the parent, they're the security guard, they're the lunch lady, they're everybody. And so, <laughs> and so that is another priority of mine. Uh, but I want to go on to, to the union point, though, but here's what also has to happen. Yeah. Uh, and union folks have been upset with me for years about this. I don't care. Uh, and, and, and a lot of times politicians talk about apprenticeship programs. Yeah. The problem for me is there are a lot of black folks who are already highly qualified and skilled to do many of those jobs yeah. that were frozen out. Uh, when I was in Chicago, they estimated uh, upwards of $10 billion that should have gone to the black community didn't go to the black community mm -hmm. because we were frozen out of those labor unions. Mm -hmm. And so those same labor unions want state black state lawmakers to vote for these initiatives, mm -hmm. but I want us to have more than $15 an hour jobs. Absolutely. I'm talking about the 50, 60, 70, $80,000 real jobs, and so they're skilled people, mm -hmm. and so that to me has to be made a priority. Absolutely. If those unions are coming to you saying, hey, we want your support, I'm saying be asking more than just for apprenticeship jobs. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And I only harp on apprenticeships because I've seen what they do. Uh, the apprenticeship programs that I work with at my job, they are the ones that you work, you earn while you learn. That's their motto. So while you're getting these classes and getting the certifications, you're being paid. Not only that, you're enrolled in a pension program. I'm talking kids coming out of high school, 17, 18, already having a pension program ready for them. And the health care benefits, something that we know as as black or African-Americans here in the Commonwealth is very important. We have to take our health seriously. So when there's an opportunity for them to just come out of college and go the more informal or non-traditional way of education and get the job and certification that they need, we need to ensure that we are supporting that. All right. Destiny Bowling, give a round of applause, please. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Folks, as I said, October 16th was the deadline for you to register, but you can still register through Election Day, if, but you'll simply be using a provisional ballot uh, when you do go and vote. Now, remember, uh, the deadline to apply for an absentee ballot to be mailed to you is October 27th. Uh, so you only got a few days left uh, when it comes to that. If Virginians can request an absentee ballot uh, through the mail, fax, or online, November 4th, of course, is the last day of early in-person voting, and the deadline to apply for an absentee ballot in person. Early in-person voting will end at 5 p.m. and November 6th is the last day a voter can request an emergency absentee ballot. When we come back, uh, we'll talk to another candidate here. Later in the show, again, we'll be talking about uh, how critically important it is for African Americans uh, to maximize our numbers. Even in areas where we do, don't have a high percentage, if we maximize, maximize our numbers in those areas, we could literally determine uh, elections. You're watching Rolling Button Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network live from Petersburg, Virginia, back in a moment. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Peace, I'm Faraji Muhammad, host of The Culture. And brothers, we need to talk. There's been much discussion about the state of the black man in our community, whether it's in politics, education, or in the home, My brothers, we are struggling to lead the way, which is why The Culture will be hosting the Black Men Summit, where we'll be redefining and celebrating Black manhood. This special series will kick off on the 28th anniversary of the historic Million Man March on Monday, October the 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be talking to some of Black America's most prolific, dynamic, thought-provoking Black men activists, scholars, and leaders about our role, our power and our future. So tune in and join the conversation as an online culture crew member for the Culture's Black Men's Summit, redefining and celebrating Black manhood. Starting Monday, October 16th through Friday, October 20th, 4 p.m. Eastern time each day, right here, exclusively here on the Black Star Network. Owens, America's Wealth Coach and host of Get Wealthy. Let me hit you with a few numbers. African Americans spend nine times the amount on ethnic beauty products and yet only own 1% of the beauty supply stores. It's an $18 billion industry. On the next Get Wealthy, you're going to learn and hear from a woman who's turning this obstacle into an opportunity. We literally take you from A to Z on all of the things step-by-step you need to have in place to open and run a very successful beauty supply store. That's right here with me, Deborah Owens, host of Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. This is Essence Atkins. This is the Love King of R&B, Raheem Devon. It's me, Sherry Shepard, and you know what you watch. You're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Folks, welcome back to the Petersburg Public Library. We're in Petersburg, Virginia, uh, focusing on the upcoming election here in Virginia. But you don't just have elections happening in Virginia. They're happening all across the state. We've got a critical gubernatorial race uh, in Kentucky uh, where uh, Daniel Cameron, uh, who is the Republican, you know, he's the brother who did nothing when it came to Breonna Taylor. Uh, he's trying to become the governor versus the Democratic incumbent, uh, Brashear, uh, who actually restored uh, voting rights for uh, formerly incarcerated folks uh, in that state. That is not a hard choice, and it ain't Cameron. Then, of course, uh, you have the race uh, in Mississippi as well, uh, where you have uh, Republican Tate Reeves, who is trying to get reelected. Uh, Presley is the Democratic opponent. This is the same Tate Reeves who admitted by, by saying that he refused to give Jackson, Mississippi, any funds when he was state treasurer, uh, and they refused to fund many of their initiatives. And so uh, that's a very close race there. A lot of people keeping their eyes on, on that uh, race there. Plus, there are a lot of other local elections happening. And so no matter where you are, do me a favor. Uh, and in fact, uh, you know, I still 
still I'm still registered uh, in Texas. Uh, and there is a on, on the ballot, there's a uh, proposition uh, about raising uh, taxes to fund uh, a pay increase for teachers. And so but folks who are watching and understand when we talk about these elections, we're not just talking about governor, state senator, state rep. We're talking about school board races. We're talking about propositions. We're talking about bond initiatives. And so we must make sure that we're actually reading these ballots, voting top to bottom, not ignoring races, because I keep saying all the time, we talk about a down ballot races. What people don't realize, when you're complaining about the criminal justice system, you're likely talking about DAs and judges who are at uh, the root of that particular issue. When we're talking about why we don't have schools being funded, well, typically it's because a lot of us are skipping over uh, those ballot initiatives, uh, those propositions that are on the ballot as well. And so please make sure that you're educated uh, no matter where you live about what, what is happening uh, in your area. So check right now if you have local elections. I know lots of people, they say, I don't watch the news. I don't feel like it's just it's too much bad stuff. Well, then when stuff happens, then you go, oh, my God, I didn't know. That's because you're spending more time watching the Housewives show and then watching Zeus Network than actually watching stuff that's actually critically important. And so uh, also make the effort to tell your friends and family members, uh, can't nobody eat at my table if they ain't registered to vote. Straight up. Any family member who even comes out of their mouth, I'm not voting. I'm just letting y'all know. Hashtag team whip that ass will show up. Just letting y'all, I'm just... Let y'all know how I was raised, because uh, mom and dad had been uh, voting. Been that they they were they just retired from being uh, election judges. Did it for the past you know ten, twenty, thirty years. Uh, and so again, that's how I was raised, and so uh, it's in my DNA. So we don't play around when it comes to uh, elections. All right, let's bring in our next candidate right now, Deborah Gardner. She is running for Virginia's seventy-six House, House District. Deborah's a single mom, small business owner, former social worker as well. What kind of business? Um, I have a, a business. I'll turn the microphone on. I'm about to coach you to turn that microphone on. You got it? Let's flip the switch up. Yes. There you go. All right. What kind of business is it? It's an executive coaching business. All right. Gotcha. So if you are elected, what, are you, what will you do for small businesses? What I will do for small businesses, especially here in Virginia, is make the process a little more easy for them to navigate. I'm actually a macro business, which is very, very, very small business, but I have to jump through the same hoops that larger corporations have to jump through in the county that I live in, in Chesterfield. And that is a deterrent to, bis to small businesses thriving in our county and in Virginia as well. Now, you graduated from North Carolina Central, and so what is your uh, plan uh, to grow and expand our HBCUs in Virginia? Well, I am a proud graduate of uh, North Carolina Central University, and my um, plan for that is to make sure we continue to fund those public HBCUs and to be able to get our children more interested in going to those schools. You know, sometimes we act like we have to go to these Ivy League schools or some of these big Virginia schools, but we can just go down the list of all the important people who have graduated from HBCUs. And I'm a very proud alumni of an HBCU. Um, uh, 
You serve on a number of different committees dealing with substance abuse and drug abuse, uh, and uh, mental illness is one of the issues that a lot of people keep talking about, especially uh, in, in this state. You'll have these mass shootings, and those who, who love the NRA will talk about, oh, mental illness is a problem, but then they turn right around and refuse to fund mental illness. And so uh, speak on that in terms of uh, what you want to accomplish uh, in the Virginia House. While some people are in crisis and mental crisis when they actually commit those shootings, that doesn't mean that all these people have mental health issues. And when some we, of them just evil. They some of them, and I also worked in the prison system, and I've actually walked down death row, and there are some bad people in this world. And I think Republicans take the easy way out by saying with these shootings, we need to add more money for mental health. Well, we do need to add more money for mental health, but we also need to get some of these guns off the streets. Speak about, speak about that because, again, it, it's a constant battle. And you hear these people who talk about, oh, this is a gun-loving state. Uh, but this notion of unfettered access to guns is just completely nonsensical to me. Yeah. And how many of you, I'm from rural North Carolina. I, my family had a family farm. We had members of our family who hunted. But how many of you need an assault weapon to shoot Bambi? Not many people. So That means you can't hunt. That's just that. If you need that, <laughs> you just can't hunt. You're right. And so we need to make sure, and especially in Virginia, we're open carry. You can go in the grocery store. Many of you, especially in this area and in my area, know that we have a legislator who goes into the grocery store, the Walmart, packing. What do you need to be packing for going in the grocery store? There is no reason for that. So we need to get a handle on this open carry in Virginia. And you gotta get, um, go through a class, you've got to, to get your driver's license, you gotta take tests, you gotta take a road test, but you can just get a gun without having to ever have shot a gun. And I think we need to get control of that as well. I started my career as a social worker, and we had to train with a police officer and a social worker because we took people's kids. We had to have training for that. So I'm a gun So you ought to have training as a social worker, but not to have a gun. Yeah, you do. Now, now, now the Republicans, y'all got y'all trackers in here, so you're gonna write this down. That's stupid. <laughs> okay, go ahead, I'm sorry. You said you're a gun owner, go ahead. Yeah, I'm a gun owner, but I'm a responsible gun owner. I have a daughter. I make sure my gun is locked up. I made sure I had training. I made sure she took classes to understand when she was little that this is not a toy. This is not something you play with. So I'm not saying that people should not own guns. We just need to be responsible and we need mm -hmm. to set better laws governing that. What kind of gun you got? You got a big gun or a little gun? Little gun. You got a little gun? Yeah. Okay, I'm just checking, all right. A Glock. I, I ain't got a gun. I'm, I shot a gun one time, and I was like, this is a grossly overrated experience. It is. It I'm really like, is. I'm going to play golf. Y'all can keep this stuff. But we don't need weapons of war to be shooting, hunting, or getting food or anything. You just don't need that. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I do want to talk about uh, the, the drug problem that, that we do have because, again, uh, unfortunately, there's this attitude uh, from many Republicans across the country to lock them up. You got, of course, crazy Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton, who actually said, we don't lock up enough people in the United States, which is literally clearly the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And that's one reason why his state is so broke. 
uh, because, I mean, literally, we, we are going broke constantly building uh, prisons in this country as opposed to treating people. And then one of those areas is drug use. I started my career, like I said, as a social worker, and I basically started out working with veterans who had PTSD. What we were doing back then, I'm dating myself, that was back in the 70s, we were treating them for substance abuse issues, but they were dually diagnosed. And so we have to make sure when we're locking people up that we're giving them the services they need. I worked in corrections and we had reentry programs because what people don't realize that 95% of the people we lock up are gonna come back into your neighborhood. And if we don't provide them with the services that they need, what's gonna happen? They're gonna do the same thing and they're gonna make you a victim and they're gonna be back in the system. And it costs more to house them than it would to treat them. I've never understood somebody who would say, we don't need to provide any services uh, to these folks, just lock them up through the keyway. That, that, that's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then when they get out and they commit a crime, then they go, uh, oh my God, what happened? Cause fool, you didn't want to do anything while they were there. Well, this is even dumber, Roland. When, uh, <laughs> when I first uh, started working at Criminal Justice Services, we, before we had reentry programs where we did give them services, we used to take prisoners from maximum security with leg irons, waist irons, take them to the um, probation office, unshackle them, and then they turn them out on the public. These people had had no services but and been locked up for years. You know, most of them didn't have a license, didn't have any means to access the legitimate economy. And then we turned them out onto our friends and our neighbors and our communities. That's dumb. Yeah, that's dumb. That's pretty dumb. Uh, pretty dumb. Um, a couple more of your priorities that you want to focus on. Well, everybody talks about education, and that's really important to me. But what is really one of my biggest priorities is early childhood education. Mm -hmm. Because what we don't realize is from zero to three, if we don't catch them then, we have lost them. Everybody focuses on K through 12, and that's important. But when I went into maximum security prisons here in Virginia, I thought I was going to see hardened criminals. I saw babies. Some of our babies, the majority of them, they had no chance. Well, you look at a lot of most, most prisons around the country, uh, literally 90% of those who are locked up are illiterate. That's right. They had no chance because that, those early years, those formative years, they had no, no formal or informal education or instruction. And if we don't catch them early, and early childhood includes quality, affordable, accessible childcare. If we don't get our children into those systems, everybody talks about free pre-K. That's important, but it's also important that we train our parents to help their kids mm -hmm. from birth. And if we don't do that, we're going to pay on the back end instead of paying on the front end. And it's much cheaper to pay for them on the front end than it is the back end. All right. I agree. Well, Deborah Gardner, I certainly appreciate it. Uh, good luck uh, in your race. Uh, and uh, since, you, since you have an opponent, uh, you can look into the camera and make your appeal to those, uh, again, those people who are on the fence. They're sitting here just whining and complaining, saying, oh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, explain why they should vote. Look right over there. Look straight ahead. All right, straight ahead. Not right there. 
right there. So the guy waving. Right. There you oh, go. I see you. There you go. I'm going to tell you why. Because I'm in one. Of, I got the redistricting lottery. I ended up in a 60-40 Democratic district. The problem with that is these people do not vote. The Democrats in our district don't vote. You knock their doors and you say, "Are you going to vote? Is there an election?" They don't. So my problem is not that. <laughs> You know, I need to worry about an opponent. I need to worry about you getting out, exercising your right to vote. And if you do that, when we vote, we what? Win. When we vote, we what? Win. So go out and vote. All right. Thank you, brother. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Folks, gotta go to the break. We come back. Uh, we'll talk to a candidate who is in a really, really uh, tight race that could make the difference uh, in determining whether Democrats take control of the House later in the show. We'll talk with uh, Gary Flowers, who has covered politics uh, in this state uh, for quite some time, a radio personality. We'll also talk with the grassroots organizer who's doing their best to get those formerly incarcerated, get their right to vote back, which has been under assault from Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin. Folks, you're watching a special edition of Roland Martin Unfold right here in Petersburg, Virginia on the Black Star Network. Don't forget to support us in what we do. Uh, your support is critical to what we do. Uh, so first and foremost, uh, you could join our Bring the Funk fan club. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans on an annual basis to contribute at least 50 bucks each for the year which is $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. Uh, I pur purposely chose not to charge for a subscription for a show like many other digital platforms because we want this to be accessible uh, to all. In the last five years, our fan base has contributed in excess of $2 million. And so we're out here, of course, battling for advertising support because uh, they don't support black-owned media uh, the way they do. Some $322 billion spent every year. Black-owned media gets anywhere from 0.5 to 1% of the $322 billion. And so we're in a constant battle uh, there. And so uh, you can see a check-in money orders to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. Be sure to download the Black Sutton Network app. Uh, we're available on all the platforms. Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Uh, speaking of that, you can also watch our 24-hour, 7-day week live streaming channel. You can see all of our shows live. You can also see uh, the live news conferences and other events uh, that we uh, showcase. Uh, you can check us out on Amazon News. So if you've got an Amazon Fire Stick, you can go to Amazon News, check us out. You can tell Alexa a play news from the Black Star Network, so the audio will play there as well. You can also see our 24-hour streaming channel on Amazon Freebie, uh, on Amazon uh, Prime Video. You can click the live TV grid. You'll see our network right alongside ABC, NBC, CBS, and the others. And of course, you can also check us out on Plex TV as well. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. I'll be right back. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. It's an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Next on The Frequency with me, Dee Barnes, actress, writer, and advocate, Raydon Chong is here to discuss her childhood and break down her life in Hollywood, a show you don't want to miss. Well, even at my peaky peak peak when I was getting a lot of stuff, as soon as I was working a ton, I heard people whispering, oh, we don't want to pay her because we're giving her a break. Only on The Frequency on the Black Star Network. Pull up a chair, take your seat, the Black with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Joe Marie Payton, voice of Sugar Mama on Disney's Louder and Prouder Disney Plus, and I'm with Roland Martin on Unfiltered. Welcome back to the Petersburg Public Library. We are here in Petersburg, Virginia, folks, uh, focusing on the uh, Virginia elections taking place in November. But also, we cover, of course, elections happening all across the country. Uh, and one of the most watched uh, races in the country, country, but especially in this state, uh, is the 82nd House District. It is a tight race. Uh, Kimberly Pope Adams, the Democratic candidate uh, in that race. Uh, Kimberly, come on out. Kimberly, glad to have you here. So uh, you are running, trying to flip uh, a seat here in Petersburg uh, from red to blue. 
Yes, I am trying to flip it back because it was already ours. Two years ago was a fluke, and we're going to remind people this is a blue seat. So um, let's talk about uh, what you're focused on. What are the critical issues that you're trying to explain to constituents here uh, about why they should elect you? Yes, well, I'm born and raised here. I'm born and raised in Hopewell, which is just one city over. I've lived here my whole life, and I understand where, where we were and, and where we can be, because we can be so much better. And I make sure that when I'm on doors, I let voters know, listen, I'm not fighting for you. I'm fighting for us, because that's what this is about, things we need in our community, safer communities, free of gun violence, and making sure our schools are fully funded, and, and making sure that housing is affordable, because right now we have a situation where people get up and go to work every day but can't afford to live in a single-family home. People are living in hotels. People are living on campgrounds. People are living in trailer parks, not because they want to, but because that's the only option they have. So it takes someone who's been here, who's lived here, who's been broke but ain't broke no more, and we need someone who can really relate to the voters, and that's what I do when I talk to the voters. You're running against a MAGA Republican uh, in uh, Kim Taylor, and probably uh, one thing that should should offend uh, anybody uh, in this city, frankly, whether you're Republican or Democrat, uh, is her supporting the rolling back of voting rights, which, again, I still think is one of the, just the dumbest things in the world. All these people run around talking about praising our military, saying, oh, they're fighting for our freedoms. But whether one of the things that they do here is try to cut uh, access to the ballot, uh, cutting back uh, early voting uh, and things along those lines. So, so talk about that. Yes, and, and let me remind people, the reason we have 45 days of early voting is because Democrats had the trifecta in 2020 and 2021. So, so we are the reason we have the 45 days of early voting. And to be honest, it's so, it, it's so hypocritical of them because our governor, Glenn Youngkin, he, he comes out in that charter bus and, and red vest and makes it seem as though early voting was something that he came up with and encouraging his, his supporters to vote early. But let me tell you something. We know, we know what they're up to, and we know if we don't regain the House and keep the Senate, if Republicans get the trifecta, they are going to roll back all the progress that we've made, and we got to make sure that we continue to move forward, not backwards. One of the areas... <laughs> one of the areas uh, that is certainly on the ballot is reproductive rights. Uh, and you recently talked about uh, you experiencing... Um, uh, an issue uh, being pregnant. And when we look at what's happening across this country, uh, we are seeing uh, many women who are having uh, to deal with uh, a lot of these places that are very striking when it comes to policies, even some places forcing women to carry babies to term uh, that are not going to survive. And that's sort of the, uh, you know, hardcore policies that we're seeing come from the right uh, that your opponent uh, supports. She supports what we're seeing, like folks in Mississippi and Texas and places like that. Yes, yes, she does. And let me tell you, for whatever reason, Republicans try to make it seem as though the only topic is an elective abortion. Let me tell you something. I had a miscarriage. I had a miscarriage at 12 weeks, and I know that when I was at my doctor's office, the options that were given to me once we knew there was no longer a heartbeat, 
those options would go away. Those medical procedures would go away if we were to have an abortion ban. So this isn't just about an elective abortion. It can be a matter of life and death. If I had to carry that unviable fetus for who knows how long, I'm, there could have been uh, infection or sepsis, and who knows what could have happened. So. I, it's so disingenuous of them to, to make it seem as though, oh, we're, we're protecting life. Listen, my life matters. I don't want to die giving childbirth. And let me tell you something, for black women, that's a reality. Black women die giving birth. And we and, should and, not and, ignore and, and that. And it doesn't matter what your income is. I mean, no. Serena Williams, uh, she's married to a billionaire. She's a multimillionaire. Uh, and she... Uh, was facing a serious issue where her health could have been compromised. Absolutely, absolutely. So we have to make sure that this uh, health care is accessible, affordable, and remains legal. The Go ahead. <laughs> you, you talked about My Life Matters, and, and um, uh, we played the clip before the show where I had a... Uh, I had a uh, black conservative on my show. This was our State of the Union um, show, and she was, and every time she comes on, she wants to make make the show about abortions. So I was like, okay, fine, since so you want to go there again. Uh, and then I challenged her on what this concept of being pro-life is. Uh, and it's stunning to me when I listen to Republicans, uh, white, black, Latino, Asian, Native American, doesn't matter, talk about being pro-life. Yet I never hear them stand with black folks when uh, their children have been gunned down by cops uh, and they were unarmed. I, nev I never hear them talk about life when gun violence erupts in this country. I never hear them talk about life when they want to cut back food programs when 30,000 people die every year with starvation. Mm -hmm. I never hear them talk about life in so many different areas. So I said, no, y'all really anti-abortion. You not pro-life. Yes. Yes. Thank you. So if you are so if you are elected, talk about those issues, those life issues. Uh, that's health care. That's uh, food deserts. All of that impacts life. Yes. Yes. Very much. And and I'll tell you, my my district is a majority rural district, and I have one locality, Surrey County, Virginia. There may all right. There's some people out here from Surrey. They don't have a grocery store in the entire locality. So when we talk about a food desert, that's not something we're just talking about in the abstract. These are real life situations that are happening to us. When we talk about a healthcare desert, we have people who have to drive one, two counties over just to get urgent care, you know, just to get something outside of just a basic pharmacy. So again, like I said, for me, and I am a rural Democrat, I live in Dinwiddie County, and, and we, thank you, and we, um, we, we're here, we are, we are taxpaying citizens, we're, we're, you know, gainfully employed, but when it comes to having the resources, that just seems to be overlooked. So again, we need to make sure that we voice our opinion and we make sure we do that at the polls. And I'm going to tell you, City of Petersburg, if you're in here tomorrow, you've got early voting until 9 p.m. tomorrow. There is no excuse. I want to support you to, I want to, because uh, you mentioned rule. What, what do you say to the non-black voters in your district who they see R and D but in many cases, they literally are voting against their economic and health interests. Yeah, 
Thank you so much for that question because I knock on a lot of doors. I average about a thousand doors a month that I knock on. And I tell people, I said, listen, this is not about left versus right. It's about right versus wrong. And I, <laughs> and I need people to understand that sometimes we can get so caught up on labels that, again, like you said, we, we vote against our best interests. So sometimes when I'm on doors, I say I'm the candidate for House of Delegates. And I see where the conversation goes because it's so interesting when you leave the party affiliation out of it, people will listen to you and they find themselves agreeing with you on individual matters. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna meet people where they are. If you wanna talk about guns, let's talk about guns. I got a little gun too. I know I think so, yeah, Deborah said she has a gun. I got a 380, it's not huge, but it'll get the job done. So it'll stop you, it'll stop you. <laughs> so if that's the way the conversation goes, and that's where I go. If we start talking about public schools, knowing that we don't have a private school in my locality, then that's where I go. But again, it comes down to meeting people where they are, not being polarizing. I said, listen, I'm not here to talk about red versus blue. Let's talk about green. And let's talk about getting some money in this district and getting the things we need in the 82nd. Let's talk about money, because I do get a kick out of when Republicans complain about uh, people who got money during COVID. I remember Senator Lindsey Graham was whining and complaining about people uh, getting um, money, uh, getting un unemployment money, saying, well, there are no incentives to work. And, he's, and what was just the dumbest thing in the world when he said, uh, we need to get the people back to work because they're making more money uh, unemployed than they were working. And I went, does that fool realize what he just said? <laughs> that if a person is making more money through unemployment, than the job they had, maybe there's a problem with the job they had and what they were paying. <laughs> so you're running against a, an opponent who has complained about these same relief programs during COVID. A new study actually came out that showed that between 2019 and through 2022, uh, black wealth actually increased during those three years. Uh, and the reality is a lot of that was because of the stimulus uh, that was going out, yet your opponent complains about that. But didn't your opponent get some PPP money? Oh, yeah. Let me, let me tell you. Wh where's the camera? Which camera? Can I talk to you? Right there. All right. <laughs> My opponent, Kim Taylor, the Republican running for what's going to be our seat, <laughs> criticized everyday working folk for taking PPP loans when she took nearly $200,000 in PPP loans herself. Hold on, wait, hold on. She, critic <laughs> hold on. she criticized other folk for taking COVID relief money, mm -hmm. but she took COVID relief money. To the tune of almost $200,000. Wow. I didn't get that much as a stimulus. Did you guys get $200,000 as a stimulus? No. I, and I think, <laughs> I, I, think I, I think all our show got, all we got was like 38000 in PPP money. <laughs> she got six times more money. Yeah, so, so the hypocrisy is, is real, and it's right in front of us. I mean, Republicans try to make it seem like they're the ones that own, you know, fiscal responsibility and those types of topics. Listen, we are smart, we are capable, and we are going to show them on November 7th why Democrats deliver. But we talk about uh, 
again, the corporate tax breaks and money and resources. Like one of the things that still it just drives me crazy when I see city, counties, and states, uh, including Virginia, give tax breaks to corporations, <laughs> but then complain when employees want to get paid higher wages. Mm -hmm. uh, and you sort of have this sort of back and forth. Um, and um, so explain, again, what your opponent did to hook herself up <laughs> and corporations, uh, but not take care of employees. Yeah, so, so let me be clear. My opponent has not had much legislation while she was in office, and we'll do something about that soon. But she, she passed, she wrote a bill and, and voted and, and was passed this tax loophole, in essence, that benefits only the type of business that she and her husband own. <laughs> So they own automotive businesses. I don't own an automotive business. I don't know if anyone else in here does, but the, the legislation that was written and the tax loophole that was written only benefits automotive businesses. Only, like no, no other businesses? Nope, only the automotive businesses. That's self-dealing. Huh. <laughs> Which is why herself needs to get out the way so we can get some things done, all right? <laughs> Um, t turnout is, at the end of the day, that's what, where elections are, are won and lost. Uh, and so, um, in, the, in, this, in the last campaign, she won with how many votes? Okay, so two years ago, we lost this seat. And I won't even say we lost this seat. We gave up this seat. Y'all, we gave up this seat. 512 votes. 512 votes. That's how we lost this seat. How many, how many precincts in the, um, in the district? 31. 31 precincts. 31 precincts. And so when Over you- Over 60,000 registered voters, but wow. again, and, and how many total people voted? Um, about less than half, less than half. Wow. Yeah. And what was black turnout? Not enough. <laughs> not, not enough, not nearly enough, because as far as I'm concerned, if black turnout isn't 100%, then it isn't enough. We can do it. And so how have you been making the case, again, to get people to understand uh, that how they vote and then who win has a direct result on what then comes back to the district? Absolutely. And I tell people, I said, listen, when it comes to the General Assembly, which is what I'm running for in House of Delegates, I said, listen, our needs can be met one of two ways. It's either legislation or appropriations laws and money. That's really what it comes down to. And in Virginia, there is something on the ballot every single year. There is no off year in Virginia. And if you sit even one out, you are opening the door for Republicans to come in and move us backwards. They can strip away our freedoms when we don't vote. We can and we should because it, it makes all the difference in the world that we, we show up, we show up in numbers. I've told people, listen, bring your mother, your father, your ex-husband, your next husband. I don't care. <laughs> bring whomever, but you better bring somebody with you when you go vote. <laughs> A couple of other areas that are a huge contrast between you and your MAGA Republican opponent. Well, of course, women's, women's reproductive freedom is, is the top priority. Uh, listen, I'll tell you, my opponent is, is connected to crisis pregnancy centers. And if you're not sure what that is, a crisis pregnancy center is this establishment, for, for lack of a better term, that poses 
as women as a women's health care facility when in fact that is not what they do they are not about giving women all of their options what they want to do is talk you into the option they want you to take and that is unfair to us and in a district where access is already so difficult and finding the resources you need is already so difficult the last thing we need is somebody in office pushing their own agenda when it's not what's best for us all right. Well, Kim, we appreciate it. Uh, good luck uh, in uh, this uh, race. Again, it is uh, it is very tight. It's going to come down uh, to a few votes, and that's why I keep saying that you know every vote does indeed matter. I got to remind people when there was a tie in this state. And then they had to go to a tiebreaker that did not involve uh, folks actually voting. That can be avoided when we turn out with our proper numbers. Absolutely. But we can make sure that doesn't happen because we can run up the numbers. We can run up the numbers. Early voting, like I said, tomorrow, Petersburg, you can early vote until 9 p.m. tomorrow. So folks get off work. They can't complain. No. Say, oh, no. All you got to do is go by, vote, and then go home, fix your dinner. That's right. That's right. There you, there you go. All right. Kim, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. <laughs> Folks, going to a break. We come back. We're going to talk about restoring voting rights to formerly incarcerated in Virginia. Also talk to uh, private Virginia uh, radio uh, host in the state as well. Uh, plus, we'll talk about on the national level again uh, what we're seeing when it comes to uh, black voter participation. Uh, it's actually decreasing, and we'll uh, talk about why that is happening. You're watching the special edition of Roland Martin Unfiltered Right here on the Black Star Network, live from Petersburg, Virginia. We'll be back in a moment. We talk about black... My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. And what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it. And you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Check some money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037 dash 
888-256-0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, being of service to others is one of the greatest callings in life. But being there for someone else in their time of crisis is a whole new level, and you have to bring courage, commitment, and strength. On our next show, we meet two real-life angels who were thrust in the midst of caregiving and without warning. And he was looking strange and um, couldn't cut his meat. And it was very odd. And I said, well, what's wrong? And he says, I think I've had a stroke. And so, of course, it scared scared me. And um, we literally got in the car and he walked into the hospital on a Thursday. And by Saturday of that same week, he lost um, all control of his left side. The blessings, the challenges, and the way they maintain their balance, all next on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. Farquhar, executive producer of Proud Family. Bruce Smith, creator and executive producer of The Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. You're watching Roland Martin. the Petersburg Public Library. Uh, we are glad to have you here. Again, we're focused on elections here in November, but also all across the country. And what we are seeing, we're seeing, uh, again, uh, uh, millions and millions of dollars being spent uh, on both sides. But also what we have to understand is that uh, our vote matters. As a mayoral election in Houston, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee uh, is running uh, in that race against uh, a longtime uh, state um, uh, official, a Democrat, but his, who's getting major support from Republicans in Houston because they want to take back uh, the mayor's mansion. You've got races in Kentucky and Louis, Louis, uh, Mississippi. We just had the races in Louisiana. You got runoff there uh, in three uh, positions. You had porous black turnout in Louisiana uh, for Democrats as well, and so. Uh, what we are emphasizing, and, and I need people to understand that this is serious business. We cannot, on one hand, talk about uh, billions of dollars and people want wanting things for our community, then we don't vote. Uh, I, I literally had to smack a few people uh, on social media uh, over the weekend uh, who were saying that uh, we should check out of this system. Uh, then, then one person then said to me, uh, we should not be looking at a party. We should not be looking at the candidates. We should be focusing on us. And I'm going, well, that's kind of dumb because you kind of got to look at the candidate and what the issues are. And you kind of got to look at parties because you can vote for your one candidate. Uh, but if they're not in control, then they don't control the levers. Uh, we saw Republicans in Louisiana now have a supermajority in that state. They have a supermajority in Texas, in Florida, in Mississippi, in Tennessee. And so when people then say, well, we would love to have formerly incarcerated folks get their right to vote back. Well, that depends on who controls the legislature, who controls the governor's mansion. Here in Virginia, the power in that rests with 
the governor. And we saw Governor Glenn Youngkin make changes uh, to that that was different from the previous governor, who was Democrat, uh, and so greatly impacting those who are formerly incarcerated. Joining us right now uh, is uh, Sheba Williams. Uh, she is with uh, No Left Turns, Inc., an organization that helps formerly incarcerated people uh, re-enter society. Sheba, uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing? So for folks who don't know, what exactly, and I always tell people, elections have consequences. And so it was a national story when uh, formerly incarcerated people, thousands got their right to vote back when Terry McAuliffe was the governor. Things changed when Glenn Youngkin became the governor. So just to be clear, uh, Bob McDonald reinstated my rights in 2013. He was a Republican governor. So it's not just a Republican or Democrat issue. Uh, Terry McAuliffe wanted to reinstate the rights of 231,000 Virginians who had lost their right due to felony disenfranchisement, which is rooted back to our 1902 convention, which says that we were trying intentionally to disempower as many black people as possible. No, 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 no. That ain't what they said. No, 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 Carter Glass. So um, our history is rooted in slavery, and the power of felony disenfranchisement is to continue to take that power away from as many black people as possible. So um, our governors have continuously improved the process. They removed the process from being a 38-page document to a two-page document to a one-page document to an online process that takes about two minutes to do. In February of 2023, we discovered that uh, this governor had changed the process, and it had begun well before February 2023. They didn't publicly change the process until they changed the application. But because we do restoration of rights and voting rights work every single day with individuals who are leaving incarceration, we knew in 2022 that when 800 people were the only amount of people that were reinstated in October 2022, that something was changing. We did not have proof until February 2023. I sent that to our um, elected officials. Uh, the administration kept saying, oh, we operate by grace, but there's no concrete documentation of what the criteria is. So we sued. April 6th, our organization, Fair Election Center, um, Terry Frank Law, filed a lawsuit to say, what is the process? We need to know how you're judging people based on a piece of paper and not looking at their character, not looking at their accomplishments, not looking at what they're doing. What is the term? Uh, and that's how we got to today. We went to court. They dropped our organization as an organizational plaintiff because the bar is high to prove that an organization has been harmed, even though we have put more money, more time, more travel into educating people across the state. And uh, we still have a plaintiff that is on the case, and we have gone to discovery. But there are a multitude of organizations and coalition partners that have filed lawsuits recently on this subject. So they changed. So you still don't know what the process is? No, we don't. And they refuse to give us any data about what the process is. They operate in grace, but grace is subjective. So we don't know. First of all, what does that even mean, they operate in grace? That, first of all, I mean, you know, the German, the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, came up with the phrase cheap grace. Uh, and so it sounds to me like they're trying to buy by cheap grace. If we knew what grace was under their terms, we would have concrete uh, operations to tell people how they can get their voting rights back when they are completed all the terms of their sentencing. So just be clear, and, and, and see, and this is what, what I was trying to make clear uh, to these simple Simons this weekend. 
um, because it kills me. And I'm being real clear. This is a bunch of these Adolf FBA people uh, who are stuck on stupid. Uh, and, 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 and I'm clear. I've never self-identified with any party, but I understand power. And I understand how parties operate when they have power. When you had a Democratic governor, they wanted to restore the voter rights of 231,000 people. He wanted to do it in mass. They then sued and said, oh, no, you have to actually do it individually. Like, fine, I'm just going to send all these letters. So when the Republican wins, he changes that process. We all know our numbers uh, are dramatically are, are different when it comes to those who are formerly incarcerated. So this has a direct impact on black people in Virginia. So let's be clear about uh, what the criteria was. When you were finished your terms of supervised probation, you could apply for your voting rights back. In 2016, we worked really hard to make sure that fines and fees were not a barrier to making sure that people could have their rights back. Complete supervised probation. Because that was the crap Republicans did in Florida mm -hmm. when Amendment 4 passed, with Desmond Mead and others got it passed. They then took it to the Supreme Court and said, oh, no, no, no. They, don't, they tacked on fines and fees to say, oh, no, that's completion of your uh, term. Because they were trying to stop those 1.4 million folks in Florida who were formerly incarcerated for getting their right to vote. So fines, fees, and restitution. Uh, being eliminated as a barrier does not mean that people are not responsible for paying their fines, fees, and restitution. You absolutely still have to pay that and are responsible and accountable for it. But we had that removed. They're trying to remove it back. So now the application changed from a very simple process of what court have you been convicted in? What was your name? The time of incarceration? Uh, what is your current name, address, social, and have you completed all terms of incarceration? Now they ask if you have been convicted of a violent conviction, and if you owe fines and fees, you need to upload proof that you either have a payment plan in place or you have completed paying that, which is a deterrent to our current processes of doing registration drives because we have to help people locate their paperwork or go to the courts or get the clerks to pull things up because a lot of people who are leaving incarceration or transit or don't keep on keep that documentation. So it has been a process even trying to get to the information. There are people who are afraid of prosecution because they don't know when they can apply or if they can apply. And this has been a thing that has impacted us for the past year and a half. And we have other examples. You got the sister in uh, Texas, uh, Crystal Mason, who Tarrant County seven years, uh, five years later is still going after this sister. Rhonda Sanders had people arrested before the election and every single one of those cases was th were thrown out by the judge because of people like, I didn't know, I thought I, I was able to vote because y'all sent me a voter registration form. Uh, and so these are, these are specific examples of how Republicans are using law enforcement to create a chilling effect against those formerly incarcerated where they say, I'm not even going to attempt it because I don't want to go back to jail. So there's another issue. <laughs> there's another issue. Uh, recently, we discovered that this administration, along with Virginia State Police, are removing people from the voter rolls to the tune of 17,384, um, some who have technical violations. Technical violations can be being late to your appointment, having a dirty urine, not showing up for a VASAP class, different things like that. That is absolutely illegal. They admitted that there was an error. They said that only 275 individuals were impacted. They said that 10,558 people were confirmed to have new convictions. Where's the other 7,000? So they lying. Basically. <laughs> I'm, just gonna call it, I'm just gonna call it what it is. So, 
So I'll ask you this. So if Dems right now control the Senate, if Dems control the House, how could that change this? Because right now that's all with the governor. Um, can the legislature actually take the power out of the governor's hands? Yes. Uh, so, so for full transparency, last year, 2021 election, not last year, 2021 elections, our House flipped to Republican majority. Senate stayed the same, and we have a thing called the Senate brick wall. Um, not even identifying what party, party politics, because you have to look at the issues and you have to understand mm -hmm. that you're in a fight for your life. If this, this majority is reached, if this trifecta is reached, everything is up for grabs. Everything is at stake. That is your economics. That is your abortion rights. That is your housing rights. That is education, income. Anything that you can think of has been on the attack since they have been in office. And we had to play defense this year and last year. In the House side, we, we wouldn't even get a hearing for a lot of the things that we were fighting for. The Restoration of Rights Constitutional Amendment that we have been fighting for for a decade, they would not even give it a hearing until the general public marched on the Capitol. So imagine what happens when they get control. So what, so again, for the person who needs a, a home, I'll make it, make it simple. By Republicans controlling the House, you're having to play defense. Democrats control the House, you're now playing offense. Absolutely. Because you now have power. You have power and you have the ability to be heard. In this current situation, we don't have the ability to even be heard on a lot of our issues. Now, now hold on, I want you to restate that because again, because I got some really stupid people uh, who love making videos about me and I, and I, I always crack up when they're like, oh, you sitting here, you, uh, uh, you, uh, you a paid informant, uh, you sitting here, you on the payroll, and I keep saying, no fool, this is about power. There's a difference between one party that won't even talk to you that will not even return your phone calls, they won't even meet with you, that represent black people, will never even meet with black people. I said, yet, facts are facts if you have, in most cases, because you do have some stuck on stupid Democrats. I said, but in most cases, if you have a Democrat in the position, you actually have an opportunity to actually talk, communicate, legislate, and be able to get something done. Absolutely. There are, there are a few. There are a few Republicans who listen and carry our bills. There are, uh, you know, a lot of Democrats who do. There are a few who don't. But when we're talking about having a hearing for something that has been brought forth by the people, we weren't even getting a hearing in the room. They wouldn't even docket a lot of the issues that we fought for. So we have to be intentional about who we put in position to represent our issues. Because you can vote, but if you don't follow up, if you don't lead, if you don't show up at the General Assembly, if you don't serve on boards and commissions and jury duty that everybody avoids, if you don't show up for those things, you can't complain about who's in position. So, and I, so I'm going to ask this question, and if this is not a, uh, it's not a partisan question for the organization, but it's fact-based. If Democrats regain control of the House, um, you stand a better chance of being able to get voting rights restored for formerly incarcerated people, yes or no? In my most nonpartisan voice, absolutely, because those are the people who showed up in the past to give us the hearing for a constitutional amendment to be passed to take the power out of the hands of one individual, not just this administration, but Governor Northam, Governor McCullough, Governor McDonald, and everybody who came for him, because this, this fight has been going on for a long time. And, and, and again, for the people who don't understand power, the way to get it done is to get power, 
not always trying to be on the defense, not trying to figure it out. When you, and then when you get the power, you actually use it. Get power and keep power and support power. We got to keep showing up. It can't just be right. at the at the ballot. You got to keep showing up for the people who are fighting for what you believe in. Who identifies with your values? You have to show up in mass year round, not just at the ballot box. Final comment. I'll say the same to you. You can look at that camera right there. So again, there's a brother or a sister, in many cases a brother, uh, who's out there uh, who is saying this stuff don't mean anything. Uh, I hear what you're saying, but both parties are the same. All politicians are evil. I'm not wasting my time. What do you tell him or her? Your vote is your life. If you don't like the way that people are representing you, run for office. When you get your civil rights back, you don't just get the power to vote. You get the right to run, serve on a jury, be a notary public, and, and cast your ballot. If you don't like who's in position, stand up, and we will stand behind you. Sheba Williams, we appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Thanks a bunch. Folks, going to go to break. We come back. We're going to chat with my man, Gary Flowers, a Virginia radio talk show host. Also, we got a couple other candidates who are here that I want to ask them a few questions. Plus, the audience, we're going to get take some questions from you as well. So looking forward to that. Folks, you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, live from Petersburg, Virginia. Don't forget, again, to support us in what we do. Uh, we launched this show five years ago. Everybody named Mama said, it's not going to work. It's not going to be successful. Uh, even when we reached out to the people at YouTube, they were fun a lot of different shows they literally said to me hey black folks not gonna watch news we proved everybody wrong. We started this. Uh, we had 157,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. We're now at 1.15 million uh, in the five years. Not only has this show grown, uh, but we also we've exceeded more than one billion impressions. Uh, our views uh, have reached more than 700 million views in that time. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we've been able to launch our 24-hour, seven-day week streaming channel, our OTT platform as well, uh, and we've done all of that. Uh, with a very small amount of money. I talk about all the time. There was, a, uh, there was another news site that was launched by two white journalists. One of them you constantly see on MSNBC and Showtime, John Heilman. John's a great guy. They raised $32 million. Listen to me, y'all. They actually launched this around the same time we did. They raised $32 million, and they went out of business at the end of last year. We launched this uh, with pennies. We launched this uh, with about $350,000 of my own money, one sponsor, and they couldn't figure out a business plan in five years. Uh, we've been able to do so, and so they got sold, uh, and I think one person is still there, uh, but we're still growing and thriving. But I keep saying, I don't want black-owned media to be surviving. I want us to be thriving. And so we can't, just like we talk about on the voting side, we can't complain about what we don't have if we also do not support. You can't complain about something saying, oh, man, we need services for our community and roads and bridges and streetlights and, and parks and stuff like that. But then we don't vote. That's where we actually get it from. Well, the same thing. If we don't support black-owned media, well, then who is going to be telling our story? Because here's the reality. Mika and Joe with MSNBC, they're not here. And what I also say to folk, and, and listen, more black people watch MSNBC than any other network, but there's not a single African-American who has a show at MSNBC who can decide on their own to go do their show from anywhere. They got to go ask somebody else for permission. Well, I don't have to ask anybody because I own it. 
And that's why we need your support. Uh, and so please join our Brina Funk fan club. Uh, trust me, uh, we have been able to survive on those one, five, ten, twenty-five dollar um, uh, donations. Uh, in fact, I was at New Birth Missionary Baptist Church in Atlanta yesterday with our book signing, uh, and that was a sister. Let me find her name. Uh, who came up to me? She bought a book, and she said, "I wanted to put, I wanted to put my money uh, in your hand." to make sure you get it. We got a bunch of our people, they don't trust uh, no digital stuff. Uh, that's why they still send checking money orders. Right now, it's about 40 checks in my car because uh, they like, damn, they, they'll they tell me, we ain't using all that stuff, Roland. So uh, she came up to me uh, and put her $40 in my hand and she said, now make sure, she, I, now make sure my name show up because every Friday we run the names of all our donors. So let me, uh, let, me let me shout out uh, my goodness, where is it? Oh, Victoria Barton. Victoria Barton. She's like, here's my money. So y'all out there, send your checking money order to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C. And wait a minute, Anthony, did we get some checks from people? Uh, we were in uh, uh, Virginia. Did you give me those checks? Okay, making sure. All right, making sure you ain't still carrying around your backpack. All right, send me a check. Send your check money order. It's PO Box five seven one nine six, Washington D.C. two zero zero three seven zero one nine six. Cash App dollar sign R M unfiltered. PayPal R Martin unfiltered. Venmo is R M unfiltered. Zelle Roland at Roland S Martin dot com. Roland at Roland Martin unfiltered dot com. You get my book White Fear: How the Brownie of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds, and they are. Uh, you can also, of course, uh, get that on Amazon. All bookstores. You get the audio version. Yeah, I did the reading myself on Audible as well. And all proceeds of hours for the book go right back into the show. Uh, and, of course, download the Black Star Network app. If you want to watch this show, you can see it right there on our app. Or you can watch us, of course, on YouTube and the other platforms. So download on the Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. We'll be right back. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach and host of Get Wealthy. Let me hit you with a few numbers. African-Americans spend nine times the amount on ethnic beauty products and yet only own 1% of the beauty supply stores. It's an $18 billion industry. On the next Get Wealthy, you're going to learn and hear from a woman who's turning this obstacle into an opportunity. We literally take you from A to Z on all of the things step-by-step step, you need to have in place to open and run a very successful beauty supply store. That's right here with me, Deborah Owens, host of Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. Peace, I'm Faraji Muhammad, host of The Culture. And brothers, we need to talk. There's been much discussion about the state of the black man in our community. Whether it's in politics, education, or in the home, 
My brothers, we are struggling to lead the way, which is why the culture will be hosting the Black Men Summit, where we'll be redefining and celebrating Black manhood. This special series will kick off on the 28th anniversary of the historic Million Man March on Monday, October the 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be talking to some of Black America's most prolific, dynamic, thought-provoking Black men activists, scholars, and leaders about our role, our power, and our future. So tune in and join the conversation as an online culture crew member for the Culture's Black Men Summit, redefining and celebrating Black manhood. Starting Monday, October 16th through Friday, October 20th, 4 p.m. Eastern Time each day, right here, exclusively here on the Black Star Network. Hello, we're the Critter Fixers. I'm Dr. Bernard Hodges. And I'm Dr. Terrence Ferguson. And you're tuned in to Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, welcome back to Petersburg Public Library here in Petersburg, Virginia. We're talking Virginia elections. We're also talking, um, of course, uh, election season overall. Uh, joining me right now is Gary Flowers, host of the Gary Flowers Show, WOL uh, Radio out of Washington, D.C., longtime host uh, in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, uh, Gary, of course, uh, has worked uh, Rainbow Push with Reverend Jesse Jackson. Uh, Gary's a great guy, except for the fact he belongs to a very junior uh, fraternity. Um, it's all good. It's a nice little youth group. Nice little youth group. For the record, every man of Alpha Phi Alpha has to have an Omega service before they put in the ground. And guess what? Once we gone, we don't care. We don't care. We care about what happened when we're alive. And that's Alpha. And that is short-sighted. No, it's not. Only thing short is Omega's bank accounts. Because the richest man, the richest black person in America is named Robert Smith. He's an alpha. All right, let's get right to it. Uh, you know you ain't I gonna... got more. <laughs> I got more, too. The NAACP gives its annual award <laughs> the Spingon Medal. That is the person who's had the most impact on black people that calendar year. Since its inception, mm -hmm. Omegas have 22 recipients. Alphas are in a distant second at 15. So I need you all to be more relevant to black people. Well, first of all, let's just be real clear. Ain't no NAACP without W.E.B. Dubois. You might as well go and leave it alone, Gary. I got a whole lot more in my back pocket. You ain't going to win this one. Hey. You know you ain't going to win this one. And then he quit the You ain't going to win because the Omegas came in running their ah. miles. You, don't wanna, you ain't going to win this one, so I'm just letting you know right now. It ain't going to go well for you. It ain't going to go well for you. You came here to talk about voting, right? Uh, Get absolutely. to the point. Because, uh, you know, Alphas, we have our, uh, we have our voting initiative that's uh, long and distinguished. Uh, voters, voter people are hopeless people, but uh, what, what y'all got? More with fewer members. All right. And more elected officials. 
Now, see right there. Right now, now see right now. Oh, yeah, in the history of Omega, we, now we have more elected officials Gary. than Alpha. Yes. Gary, Gary, right now, we got more Alpha. You research a lot. You got unfiltered. We you need to put a filter Gary, Gary, on that. Gary, we got so many Alphas in Congress, we can have a chapter. Y'all got two. I said in the history of voting rights in this country. in a phone booth. In the history of voting rights. Let's go ahead and get to it. Get to the point. Let's get to it. Uh, I, I love these. I, somebody said, Roland, respect your elders. Yeah, he older, but I look better. <laughs> All right. I, I got some fool on the chat, and I, I got to deal with this. What's this fool's name? And see, I love these people who think I don't pay attention. Oh, but I do. Uh, they, some, somebody goes by Percy Miracles. So this fool tweeted, uh, no tangibles, no vote. Now, a lot of these people, these FBA, ADOS people, they keep saying that. And I keep trying to explain to people. First of all, somebody running for office can't give you anything because they're not elected. That's one. So it requires them being elected. So therefore, if you don't vote, fool, you can't get any tangibles because they actually can't make it happen unless they win. It's hard for some of these people to understand politics 101. Well, I'm glad you said 101 because... The great philosopher Stevie Wonder said, if you believe in things you don't understand, you suffer from superstition. And so before we talk about that response, let's go to 101 politics in America. First of all, we don't have a democracy. We live under a constitutional republic. No one in this room or in the listening audience or viewing audience has an affirmative right to vote in the United States Constitution. What you talk about, Gary Flowers? No, we don't. And Roland was with us in 2000 when we went from Florida, the stolen election, to the Supreme Court of the United States. And Justice Scalia, speaking for the majority, said, hey, love to help you guys, but nobody has the right to vote. It's a yeah. state matter. Yep. You were there. And so, one, we have to understand that we don't have an affirmative right. It's a state right. We have 51 state systems in this country, all different. 3,067 county systems, all different. And 13,000 municipal systems, all different. For the people who don't understand, it's like, hold on, you said 51. First of all, you've got Puerto Rico that actually votes uh, in federal elections uh, as well. Yes. Although they're not, they're not officially uh, a state. And then you have other provinces uh, where the people, where they vote as well. The point is, Reverend Jackson was very clear to our staff, and, and Roland was in Chicago then with the Chicago Defender. He said, Gary, Gary, You ain't got you to can't teach what you don't know and you can't lead where you don't go. We have to understand the system in which we are voting first. Okay, because if we don't understand it, then we're going to do the same thing over and over again. And to that end, I'm saying that we have to fight beyond this election for an affirmative right to vote in the United States Constitution. When we talk about voting rights, Brother Roland, nobody has the right. We have a privilege. And that could be taken. 
But I want us to, but I want us to, I want us to be thinking, I think, far different than how we are now. Uh, and that is, um, we, we have to be thinking in terms of 20, 30 years. Yes. So when we talk, when we talk about, like, I was on a panel, uh, during Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, and it dealt with the Supreme Court. Uh, and um, my good friend Ellie Mister with the Nation, he said, I just think that we've lost the course for the next 50 years. I said, no, I said, you dis I said, dis disagree. He's like, well, why? I said, well, you run the math. I said, Biden, Harris, they've appointed more than 100 judges in the last four True. years, more black women to the, appellate, to the appellate division than all other presidents combined in history. I said, if they get reelected in 2024, they probably will appoint another 200 some out judges. That's 300. I said, let's say Democrats win in 2028, another 200 judges. Now we had 500. There are only 930 federal judges. I said, if you literally win the next two presidential elections, you will appoint it more than half of uh, the federal bench. Facts. And so, but we have to be thinking in that way. So when the sister was earlier was talking about, um, you know, don't just go on offense, not defense. We're, now we're talking about if you control the House for two, four, six, eight, ten years, the things that we say we want can actually get done because we're maximizing our numbers. If we look at the numbers uh, and you look at the raw numbers, black folks in Petersburg are not maximizing their numbers. Nor you any can other place you across can the country. Run the, if black people alone in Petersburg maximize their numbers, they could run the table in all of the House races and the Senate races because of the number of people who live here. Numbers don't lie. And sister, you made the point earlier. What was the number, the small number that was a margin she of the election? 512? 500. We are losing elections in Petersburg and around the country by margins less than the unregistered voters. Uh, Sherry Beasley could have, in 2018, she lost by 400 votes, state Supreme Court Chief Justice. If she won, Democrats would have had a six to one majority on the Supreme Court, and that was the, that's how they stopped racial gerrymandering and the voter suppression laws. Then they lost, they, they lost she lost by 400 votes, it shrunk four to three. They lost in 2022 a couple of races. Now Republicans have a five to two majority. Well, what are the first thing they do? They're going to allow voter suppression to go forward, voter ID to go forward. So even in those races, these things matter. And we just need to understand that we're talking, those 400 votes she lost by. And so we have to understand that's where the margins. And again, if we, if we are voting at 65, 70, 75% of our numbers, we're sweeping races, state race, state, uh, state, rep state representative, state senate, but also statewide races. Black voters could literally choose all statewide races if we're maximizing our numbers at 70, 75 percent. And let me just lift one word that you, you just said three times, and that is understand. Proverbs 4 and 6 reveals that beyond wisdom, you have to get understanding. If we don't understand from a civic perspective, first let me say thank you for those who came out in this hall tonight and those who are viewing, because at least it means that you care. And that's the first rule, to care. I've got brothers and sisters in my circle, distant circle, distant family members who don't care. 
And we're all fighting through that. But we have to understand the system. There was a time in church that Sunday school did not mean Jesus wept. It was citizenship education. They were teaching the Constitution. They were teaching how to take the voter exam. And so we at least have to get back to that. Go back to your respective churches and ask the pastor, he or she, to have a civic engagement ministry. And within that ministry, there may be two or three congressional districts represented. They need to be subcommittees just to talk about the issues that impact you in that congressional district. We have to understand the system before we can negotiate it. Well, and also, uh, and I said this last week when we were um, when we were in Fredericksburg last week, is that I think one of the mistakes that we make we make is that we, we keep thinking and operating broad, meaning, okay, but if folk just show up, and I said, the folk who don't vote are not going to show up unless you go touch them. And so voting data is public. You could literally go pull the data to see in that last election, how, what were the votes in each precinct in the district? And if you pull that, you will see what the lowest precincts were. With organizations in here, whether you're Alphas, Omegas, or AKs, or Deltas, again, Prince Hall Mason, if you are non-Greek, if you're out talking about getting the folks out to vote, you could literally, if you go in and say, we're going to target the three lowest voting precincts. And if you all of a sudden say, our goal is to get half of those folks in each precinct to turn out and support the candidate, you win. And you may add anywhere from 1,000 to 2,000 people to the voting rolls. If the last election was set about 512 votes, boom, you win. And that's doable. And that's focusing on three precincts. Yes, and that's within our organizations, within our churches now. I mean, then there's another point that, that gets under my skin, and that is voter registration at the mall. That's like going fishing and asking the fish to jump in the boat. You have to canvas. When Roland and I were trained by Reverend Jackson and Dr. Ronald Walters and Dr. Dorothy Height, it was the Ella Baker model from Virginia who trained the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. That's door to door. People ain't gonna just show up because you at the mall on your phone. Hello. So I wonder. So for me, I wonder how many voters groups are descending upon homecomings. Very few, because they at the, they at the cookout. And again, so, I'm, so I mean, again, you have to, and again, so I think, so the thing I think from, for, for folks to understand is you, the, also, you go where people, you talk about fishing, I hate fishing, uh, but it, one thing that's kind of basic about fishing, you don't go fishing where there ain't that many fish. Uh, and so what gets me is, again, and I'm, I'm going back to the precinct model, I'm not interested in chasing going out to this event. No, no, no. The numbers are right there. Right. The, num the numbers are literally there. Anybody in here can pull up the data and go, just go to the state election board or the county, and you can see the precinct breakdown for each one of the house races we talked about. And you can look at the last election, and even if you had lines changed, you still can see in the general area. If we're talking about how to make a difference, 
That's, that's how you do it. And here's the crazy thing. Any 8, 10, 15 people in this room could literally decide we're going to go canvas this neighborhood uh, this weekend. You don't actually have to get somebody's permission to actually canvas. And that's the other thing that cracks me up. People, I think people, a lot of people really think that, oh, I, I got to call somewhere and sign up. No, you can organize your own GOTV effort. You got the vote effort. Or to your point that voted data is somehow or another non-public. It's there for us. We just have to understand how the system works and make it work for us. But that's what our ancestors did, either through their churches or their civic organizations, their benevolent organizations, their fraternal, sororal organizations. We have to be in a spirit of reclamation. It ain't new. Um, how do you see um, these uh, house races, these Senate races developing? Um, what should folks be paying attention to? The Virginia way, which is deception. Deception. And so the Virginia way is to fake left, go right. For instance, on this issue of voting, one, for review, no one has a right to vote. We have a privilege to vote. Virginia is the last state in the union to take away the privilege to vote for life. And we're arguing from governor to governor who's going, you know, restore, change the law. Okay, and that's where Roland's point came in earlier. If we don't have majorities in the legislature, we can't change the law. But even under Democratic governors, Governor Northam did not change the law. Governor McCullough thought he was going to get a cabinet position from Hillary and fake this out by saying he's going to have 200,000 new votes. That was for his purposes. He didn't change the law. So the Democrats aren't talking about changing the law either. I come from the school that my grandfather told my father who told me, trust in God and check everybody else. Last question for you. All right, we do, don't have much time. Uh, it is October 23rd, um, only a, a, a few days uh, left. Uh, and um, again, that's the most important poll, who actually shows up. Uh, and so critical areas, uh, thinking about this state, what are the cities or the areas that we really need to make sure where our people are turning out? I think southeastern Virginia, um, because as you pointed out earlier, there is a pattern and practice of people not registering and not showing up. And it's not hard. And those cities are? Well, these are counties, oh, more so, so than in the cities. Um, because the cities usually have more apparatus for people to come out. It's the slightly rural or rural areas where people don't care. My home, paternal home county of Surrey County, you mentioned earlier, anybody from Surrey? Okay, I'm a flower, it's from Surrey. Uh, Route 611. Anybody ask for your address? 
They were talking to me. No, you. you. No, see, I need you to let stay over there. Let's play some y'all. That's because he spent so much time in Chicago. Because Chicago Negroes will give you the whole address. Yes, they will. They gonna give you the cross street. They gonna if you meet somebody from Chicago and they don't give you the address. They acting from the suburbs. They ain't from Chicago. Cause his, his in Chicago. See, he I, know I ain't lying. They'll be like, in Chicago, it is. I live in 69th in Vincennes. Boom, they give you the right there by Miss Azola's. You know, across the street from. That's why you gave the route number. Uh huh. <laughs> right. Uh huh. But the point is, there are services lacking there, and yet it is a low voter registration, low voter turnout area. That has to be a target. All right. Gary Flowers, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Going to break. We come back. We're going to take your questions. Uh, so uh, look forward to that. So we'll do that in just a second. Plus, there's a couple of candidates I do want to call up uh, and hear from as well. So we'll do that right here in Roller Mark Unfilled to the Black Star Network, live from Petersburg, Virginia. Back in a moment. On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, being of service to others is one of the greatest callings in life. But being there for someone else in their time of crisis is a whole new level, and you have to bring courage, commitment, and strength. On our next show, we meet two real-life angels who were thrust in the midst of caregiving and without warning. And he was looking strange and um, couldn't cut his meat. And it was very odd. And I said, well, what's wrong? And he says, I think I've had a stroke. And so, of course, it scared scared me. And um, we literally got in the car and he walked into the hospital on a Thursday. And by Saturday of that same week, he lost um, all control of his left side. The blessings, the challenges, and the way they maintain their balance, all next on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. Sherry Shepard. I'm Sammy Roman. I'm Dr. Robin B., pharmacist and fitness coach, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, welcome back to uh, Petersburg, Virginia. Nathan McKenzie is running for the state senate. Nathan, come on out. 
We have the microphone there. Um, if elected, what do you want to do? Check, check. Okay. Um, the short answer is really bring a tone of empathy and community when we're... Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Drafting policy. I think that we are in a time of change in the General Assembly here in Virginia, and there's an opportunity for us to, to truly represent our people, not just with uh, propaganda, let's just say, or, or talking points when you're on the campaign trail, but actually be involved in our community in many ways and, and bring that grassroots effort and energy into the General Assembly. What issue specifically? Um, well, we already talked about abortion. We already talked about uh, what's happening in our educational system. Uh, but one of the areas of opportunity throughout Virginia that we glanced over briefly was, was food deserts, right? And I can't express how impactful that is in so many communities. I, I started my, uh, let's say, political career here in Petersburg, Virginia. And the food desert epidemic really does affect every household, every citizen, and especially when it comes to our youth and their ability to perform in the classroom. And so it's, it's a, uh, it's a, under, um, a less understood issue, uh, but an opportunity for us to change so many lives, uh, not just in the immediate sense, but also in the long term. Uh, you're focusing, when you say you're focusing on working families, uh, what does that mean? So we all know that we're struggling economically right now. Uh, Post-pandemic, a lot of families have lost loved ones, struggled with their own personal professional jobs, uh, and just trying to make ends meet. And let's just be honest, too, it hasn't gotten better. Uh, we already talked about the minimum wage being an issue. And what we need to do is not only uh, be sensitive to those issues, but also understand how that impacts so many families on a mental health standpoint, on uh, the ability for them to thrive in their communities, be engaged in the political process, let alone. We talked about engagement before and folks coming out to vote. Well, they're, they're not connected because they're dealing with so much on a personal and professional level that disengages them to be a part of this process. One of the things that, um, when you talked about uh, the issue of uh, education, and I don't understand why this is uh, constantly controversial. You have these people who are running around, showing by school board meetings, yelling about CRT that doesn't exist, which shows that they're not actually educated. Um, and yet the people, they talk about how teachers are important, but then they don't want to actually raise the pay of educators. Absolutely. What I've always believed is that every child deserves to have a quality education and every teacher deserves to have a quality of life, right? Uh, we have already talked about them being the social worker, the confidant, um, the, the protector, the individual who's doing more than what is already understood for them in their, in their job description, right? I mean, there's a lot of people here who would say, you want me to do what in addition to what my job description is? They would have walked away. But we also know that there are, they are the, the, uh, connecting point, let's just say, between the child and the parent in many ways, right? And so when we talk about funding our schools and supporting our teachers, uh, we need to make sure they have the resources to ensure that the child has the ability to grow as a person and as an individual, but also academically succeed as well. All right, then. Well, Nathan McKenzie, uh, good luck in your uh, city race. Thank you, brother. I appreciate, appreciate it. Bring up Ste uh, Stephen Miller-Pitts. Stephen, step on up. Stephen, you're running for a delegate. One of the areas that 
uh, Republicans love to, to attack Democrats on uh, comes to um, police yelling defund the police. Uh, but you've made it clear uh, you uh, fully funding uh, police and sheriff's departments. Yeah, Explain. absolutely. Because uh, as an Iraq and Afghanistan war veteran, I understand coming back, uh, we need safer communities, right? And so we need more funding in the communities, right? And so I really want to fully fund the sheriffs and police, but what type of funding and where the funding goes? So I'm really knowing how they spend the money and making sure the resources are there in the community. Um, when we talk about mental health, um, de-escalation tactics and things of that nature, hiring other qualified personnel to our police forces so we really have a community effort. Um, so it's not all on the officers from doing their jobs, but they can call on their partners who have different qualifications in the community so that our community can get the resources that they need. Um, you're running in a race, a lot of people not paying much attention to, uh, but you're really uh, spending time um, hitting the ground, uh, going door to door. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I, when I spent time in the mountains of Afghanistan, just myself, but knowing people were watching, I know people out here are watching. And so somebody told me earlier that they see me on TV, so I'm making noise. I think the unique thing is uh, for the Republicans to say in office, for Youngkins to do what he needs to do, uh, they need to take spotlight off of races like mine, races that are so unique where there's enough people. My, my, my district is suburban, urban, and rural, right? There's a gambit of things that are happening in my district that once I flip this seat, Yunkin and everything goes away because they can't hold. See, we're talking about flipping the house, but what we need to have is veto control, right? Where we can do what we need to do legislatively, and what he does doesn't matter because you know what? They're doing it in North Carolina. They're doing it in North, North Carolina. Carolina, Tennessee, Mississippi, Florida, Mississippi, Alabama, Texas. Absolutely. So we have an opportunity. We have a. We have over two weeks left. Over two weeks left to get people excited, come out and vote, and we can have veto proof here. We got a historic number of people of color running, over 50 plus individuals running for 140 seats. That's a significant chunk of the state legislator looking like people that come from the communities that we want to help. And so that's why I'm running because my community is one of those communities. And as a professor at Virginia State University, teaching government, understanding how it's supposed to work, and once you put those individuals in office, and so I'm not beholden to anybody, right? I'm here by the grace of God, still living. Um, everybody in my household is gone uh, that I grew up with, but I recognize, because I'm building my house, that I need to be the example example for the communities where Hopewell City is my majority minority and they get overlooked because where I live in Chester, that's where my pony lives. So everything falls in Chester and Hopewell gets left behind, right? But what I will make sure that I return to Hope to Hopewell, the resources to Hopewell, Prince George, the food deserts, everything the whole gambit. There's no single issue on the ballot, right? Everything is connected. And so me teaching government, I understand. That's why you have different departments, right? But everybody works in conjunction with each other, right? And so one of the things the Republicans are unique and able to do is make these things single issue things. But I was talking in Prince George early on Saturday at the Pecan Festival. There's no single issue, right? If I right. want to fully fund schools, right, I got to worry about the students, right? Do they have everything they need at the household, right? So then that's affordable housing, right? Do their parents have a livable wages, right? That has an impact on what they can and cannot do in the house. So when they come to school, my, my teachers aren't stressed out uh, because the students have everything they need to be successful and learn. And more importantly, what I keep saying is 
schools, their primary job is to educate, not be social service centers. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, absolutely. You know, I was on a, I was on a call, the Virginia Nurses Association last week. My opponent was on their first time uh, that we were in the same space, right? And, and you know, you said some slick uh, deception, deception, Republicans. She did some trickery, right? A little truth and then sprinkled with the falsehood, right? So Hopewell has a clinic within the school system. And so she made some comments and then she said it was open to the public, right? Um, and so that's not generally true, right? Because if it's in the school system, it operates during school hours, right? And so if the so if the students are there, they're good, but the parents should be at work, right? But the other so, thing is, you don't just want anybody walking into the school. Absolutely, safety issues. See, I mean, that I mean this thing, this is a point. Look, I've I, again because I've covered city and county government. I've explained that part of the problem in this country is that in the cities and counties across the country, they literally got rid of community service centers. And so people like, oh, let's put it all into the schools. Yeah, but the problem is you don't want this anybody who looking for community services roaming a school hallway. Absolutely, absolutely, 100%. One of the other unique things, you know, uh, when you talk to talk to other uh, candidates and, and one of the things on the ballot, you know, we have these developers. I love uh, that the, the, the development and, and the growth, but it's not matching with our infrastructure, right? Um, and so you said something unique. Uh, we, in, in, in my part of the county, uh, there's a lot of development, so houses going up, but they're not pulling up new schools. Uh, they're not putting up medical parks. They're not investing in the community. What they're doing is a cash grab, um, and then we'll be left holding the bag. Um, so that's why November 7th, I'm ensure that if I'm holding the bag, I'm going to return the bag back to the community. Um, so that's why everybody needs to come out and vote. I'm going to ensure that people like me and the ones that you heard earlier are elected so uh, we can have some veto proof, right? It's, it's, it's more than just flipping the house. It's about changing the communities and bringing the resources because the money is here. You mentioned something about the Biden-Harris uh, administration. There's a massive surplus in Virginia. The money is here. Thanks to the federal government, Biden-Harris. A hundred percent. The money is here. We talked about unions. Uh, I'm a union supporter, right? The Lego plants coming to Chester, right? They're bringing over 1,500 jobs. And so one of the things I think about... Uh, higher education is not for everybody. So I'm a professor, but I understand in Hopewell, part of my district, they have a tech center. In Cheshire County, they have two tech centers, right? All right, so when we talk about apprenticeship programs, we talk about the pipelines, right? The pipelines for these students, like, you can go to Virginia State University for free if you're in a certain radius. You can go to Virginia Uni Union University for free if you're in a certain radius. That covers this geographical location. So you can go to higher ed for free, right? Um, and then, well, which which actually used to exist in this country. Absolutely, absolutely. That was before Ronald Reagan became president. And so there were a lot of people. And again, this is for all the folk out there. There were a lot of white Americans who went to free college, places where we couldn't get into. And so a lot of these people, parents and grandparents, got paid by going to free college. Absolutely. Go absolutely, ahead. Absolutely. So. So now we have an opportunity, right? We're not taking nothing from nobody. And, and, and my, my, you know, in the military, you know, we never had enough resources, anything, right? But we always got the mission done. And so it really is about uh, electing the right group of folk that care about the community, that are going to go get the resources and fight for the community. And it's time to stop electing individuals that are about special interests, taking care of their good old boy network um, and lining the pockets of their friends. Um, and so uh, 
It's an opportunity for, for all of us, uh, especially black people, to get out there and impact it. My, my district is 33% uh, African-American voting population, which means if I can get majority of the black people come out and vote November 7th, I went and flipped this district that has not been um, in Democratic hands as far as back as 1992 when Riley Ingram held the position. Um, and so we have a unique opportunity to make history, right? And so we will make this history because there's a shift in the atmosphere, and we need every Everybody coming together, connecting the dots, um, because we are all a piece on this puzzle. And we just got to connect so we can get to the middle part, which is helping uh, and put, bringing resources to the community. All right, Stephen Miller-Pitts, man. Good luck. I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. We're going to take a few questions. And so you have a, if you have a question, I want you to come over here. And so if, um, if the candidates could just come on the stage over here, uh, and then if you got a question, uh, direct it to over here. Come on, just come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Hear the ground rules. I got the microphone. I don't need your help holding it. Come on. So just ask your question. Stress free. I said I got the microphone. Did you not hear that part? I got. I got the. Mi I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm. A, you gonna talk? I'm. A, I'm gonna hold it. You got it. You can put. You can assume the position. Put your hands down your pocket. There you go. There you go. All right. So my question is this. Um, what are y'all going to do primarily about the younger generation? Um, That's kind of broad. Be specific. Yes, sir. Um, what I mean is I certainly feel that you all are just um, hitting topics regarding the older generation. I feel that we need to get out of the mentality of the 1990s and the 1980s. It's 2023. We have other better issues that we could be focusing on. Such as? Black, black on black crime. That's the number one. As you look within the area of Petersburg, we see so much crime on a daily basis within my age group. And I don't find neither, none of y'all talking about it. Did you? So let me ask you this question here. So when you talk about crime, what's the, what do you think is the cause of crime? I got this. What do you think the cause of crime? What, no, 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 no. What do you think the cause of crime is? Well, I certainly think um, social media and not only um, social media, I think also um, mental health is another one also. What else? Um, and then also, I also think also that um, we as the black community, we don't talk about it, but which we need to. Um, we are so jealous and so envious towards one another. We don't believe in helping one another out. We. Okay. So now let me, let me ask you this question. Um, what do you believe, you don't have to cite specifically, what do you believe the crime rate is in a neighborhood with a credit score 700 or higher? Well, that's a great question. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's being it's real low. Um, so when you ask, so here's my whole point. So when you say crime, yes, sir. okay, crime is largely indicative of health care, yes. wages, yes. education, yes. opportunity, yes. correct? Every candidate has spoken about every single one of those issues. So if you address those issues, you directly address crime. Not really. Yes, you do. I'm, I'm going to ask you again. If you have an area where they have proper health care, good jobs, good education, you likely have low crime, correct? But my thing is this. You're right to a certain extent. You're right. However, what are y'all going to do 
to lower the crime rate within our area. I'm going to ask you again. I'm going to ask you again. I'm going to ask you again. If you provide, I'm going to ask you, if you provide health care, economic opportunity, job creation, higher wages, increase black-owned businesses, improve education, and provide additional resources to HBCUs, does that not have a direct impact on crime? No, it does not. How? It does not. Because there are bigger issues that influence black-on-black -black crime than just focusing on those things. And what they are? Well, the, well, a number one thing, and I have not heard nobody talk about it, is the, LG, the LGBTQ community rights. Uh, as we do know, Petersburg, within the area, um, we have the we have a large pop, a large population of that, and it, and as many of you all do know, um, our trans our transsexual um, uh, uh, um, sisters they are on uh, uh, um, danger lately. Like, and y'all know I'm not lying. Y'all know I am not lying. We do not focus. We don't focus. We don't focus. We do not focus on those topics. And listen, it's 2023, y'all. We're not living in the 1980s no more. We are living in a new society. And to be honest with you, to be honest with you, if we don't have more people like me, my other friend Darius, and another young guy back out there, if we don't have us coming out here to these things and voicing our opinions, how in the world is anything going to get done? Gotcha. Now, here's my next question for you, and I'm going to let one of them answer. That's not a problem. Um, what are you and your friends doing to mobilize voters? Oh. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, no, I actually want to know. Well, 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 first, well, first, well, first, what we are doing is we are going out um, at our school, going out to every single residence hall, asking what school? At Virginia State University. Asking, asking, a asking them, are you registered to vote? Are you coming out to vote? Are you registered to participate in the U.S. Census? Because we don't talk about that either. As gotcha. Well, that's also the census every 10 years. Uh, so this is not a census year. We just already had the census. So you're not going to have it again for seven more years. So you say you're asking them are they registered to vote. But are y'all registering people? Well, what we're doing is, well, what I have done was I have created a poll, a Google Doc um, poll, and I used that. And what I have done was, was I have been trying to find out who can I send that to so that way we can um, get more younger people involved in our... No, no, here's what I'm asking. Have you or any of your friends... No, this is... Have you or any of your friends actually went to the county to be certified as an official voter registrar? No. Okay. So, no, no, no. So, asking somebody, are you registered, is one thing. But being an official registrant means that you could actually sign them up on the spot. So now you're not just asking, you're now also doing. And so that's one suggestion that you should be actually doing. One of y'all should be an actual voter registrant so you have the authority to actually register people. When you're asking them and you're going around asking them to register, are you carrying any voter registration forms? Well, no. And okay, so, so write the whole up. So if you're asking me, I'm just helping you out. If you're going to somebody and saying, are you registered? They go, no. Then what do you do? So 
what I do is um, I get their I get their information and then I forward them to the um, to the um, local poll office in Petersburg and I tell them. But are they allowed to register online? Say that again. Are they allowed to register online? I mean, I don't know. I Y'all have online registration in Virginia, which means that you could actually have an iPad and have them registered right there on the spot. But see, that's but see, that's what I was saying though. We don't know nothing about that. Hold on, no, but I'm telling you right now. So, no, 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 because see, because when you say we don't know anything, because you actually said you know a lot, but now you don't know anything about voting. My point is this here. You, as it, no, no, follow me here. If you're asking what they can do, you can actually impact that. If, if it's online, you can literally say, oh, you're not registered. Do you know you can actually register right now? So why don't we get you registered right now, and we can do it right here. Here's an iPad or a computer. That's what you can actually do. Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. Most okay. definitely. All right. So cool. Anybody want to answer the question about crime? <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Stephen. So I'm not going to answer directly about crime, but I think uh, you wanted to know what we were doing, right? Um, and so I believe <clears throat> earlier when, when we spoke, you said you knocked doors for me, right? So we're, we're in this fight together, right? Um, so that's first and foremost. Um, so that's what we got to remember. We're in this fight together, but we might not always agree about the core issues of what needs to be addressed, right? But as a professor at Virginia State University and all of us um, uniquely qualified to understand this, this, the, we understand it's not the next generation, y'all are now generation. So some of the things we do, um, you notice, because you knock on doors for my campaign, so one of the things that I make sure, and everybody here, that students on Virginia State University are intricately um, in each one of our campaigns, knocking doors, getting access to things, and, and we're not talking about just free stuff, we're talking about interns, we're talking about paid canvassers, things of that nature, right? Because we recognize that that's the only way we're gonna get everybody out. So when my, when my students go knock on doors, right, if they can't see me, they're seeing somebody that they would never have seen, right? Um, and so that's where it starts, right? Because we got to start somewhere, right? Um, and so the crime aspect, there's conversations we need to have, right? And a lot of things that he said matters, right? Mental health is a big thing, right? We came out of the pandemic, but um, you didn't know, you don't have any... Uh, social skills anymore, right? You did schooling online, right? And we know that online is, is systemically messing with the brains of our youth, right? Um, so things like that need to be addressed. But the first part is you got to get everybody to vote, right? Vote for us because once we get elected, that's first, right? Then after, we can tell you exactly what we're going to do. And if we don't do it, you hold us accountable. And then you run against us, right? That's the cycle. That's the system. And let's, that's be, and let's be clear again. And the reason I want to go back to the crime issue when people say we're going to put more police on the streets, that's great. The problem is that is in response to crime. You asked about stopping crime. And what I'm trying to convey is you cannot, you, you simply cannot disprove my point. Show me an area of Virginia where there is low crime. And I guarantee you there is high home ownership high education, high credit scores, high number of jobs and wages. And so cry, cry, you can shake your head all you want to. You could go ask any criminal justice professor on your campus, and I challenge you to do so. You can go ask, in fact, you can go ask any police chief. I've interviewed numerous ones. A police chief will tell you crime is a direct response to economic health indicators period 
you're talking about a response to crime. So in a lot of our neighborhoods, black people are dealing with high crime because many of our neighborhoods are low income, low education, low health, food deserts. So all the things, and anyone of y'all want to speak to that, but that's literally what, how, how crime is able to manifest. But show me an area not that's doing well, they ain't got a crime problem. Go ahead. So I will say this, given your other question, because it all correlates. And Brother Martin, I appreciate you walking him through that question process, because reach one, teach one is really the core of that, right? And I hope you understood what he was trying to do. Not necessarily call you out, but understand there's a process with everything. Like I said, I had my start here in Petersburg. I was 21 when I ran for city council here, right after I graduated from Virginia State University. I'm not saying that to impress you. I'm saying that simply to say, you can do this too. Right. You don't necessarily have to just simply go out there and feel as though you need to get others around you. You can be the catalyst change that you want. You just have to figure out a, a path to get that done. Or you don't have to run for office, but you can mobilize and organize votes. There it is. There and it is. And that's, that's all I'm all I'm saying is. In a, and again, and, and I need people to understand. Right. It's, it's not a criticism. Uh, it's actually a, a proper critique because the biggest mistake. And trust me, I what you said. I get it all around the country. And the biggest mistake is we say, I want something done, but then what do I do? And then what will I do? So my whole point is this here, and this is what you're talking about, you're speaking to older voters. I'm going to me be real clear with you. And I don't say this around the country. The reality is this. When it comes to voting, people in this room who are 60 plus vote. At a higher, no, 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 follow me here, brother. Follow me here. Numbers are numbers. You can, you can shake your head all you want to. Facts are facts. In the United States of America, voters 60 years and older have the highest voter participation of any age demographic. The lowest voter participation is 18 to 39. But, hold up, you're shaking your head. I'm giving you real data, bruh. I've only done this since I was 14 years old. But the largest block of available voters are millennial and Gen Z. The problem is they have large numbers. They don't vote. I'm from Texas. There are 2 million eligible but unregistered Latinos in Texas. You may not understand this. Republicans hold every statewide office in Texas. Are you aware that Texas right now is 61% minority? What do you, but guess who votes? 61% of all voters are white. So in Texas, black and brown people make up 61% of the state population. But 61% of those who vote are white. That's why you see very few black and brown people statewide. So here's the deal. If Gen Z and millennials voted their numbers, you can outvote. You can take out every baby boomer, every older person, but it doesn't happen if they don't vote. And they can't say, well, I don't see this, so therefore I'm not voting. You will never see this if you don't vote, which is the same thing I'm saying to black people. If you don't vote, Everything we complain about is irrelevant. Next question. My name is. Let's take a moment to breathe. 
Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. This is Larry Akeen Smith. I'm over 60 and I do vote. I'm secretary of the newly formed NAACP in Petersburg. We've been registering people to vote. Now, not as a member of anything, thank you for coming here and taking the time to have this forum. Thank you very much for pointing out the deception of the Republicans. In general, Glenn Youngkin in particular. Now, how can we offset this deception that he has going on right here in Petersburg? He's got these signs talking about promises made, promises kept. And these things have not been done. They are lies. And he's, in fact, dangling Mayor Perm and our city council members out as though they are supporting him. Maybe they are supporting him 100%. Do we need to vote them out? How can we offset this deception that's going on before our very eyes? Kim? <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, bro. And thank you for that question, Larry. The way we combat the lies is with the truth. We need to fact check Glenn Youngkin every chance we get. Because if we sit here and allow him to tell the lies and don't say anything, people are going to believe it to be true. Partnership for Petersburg is a prime example. I know. I'm an accountant by profession. I follow the numbers. I've been working for the Commonwealth of Virginia almost 20 years. And when he stands on this very stage, because Glenn Youngkin has stood on this very stage and acted as if initiatives that he has repackaged as the partnership for Petersburg were actually his idea, when in fact it was the late Congressman A. Donald McEachin who set things in motion for us to have the federal funding to do the things that he has now rebranded as the partnership for Petersburg. So I agree with you 100%, Larry. The way we combat these lies is by fact-checking. You fact-check him, you fact-check him publicly, and you hold him accountable because that's what we have the power to do as a voter. It's like I had some fool. It's like I had some fool trying to tell me about uh, a Trump and HBCU funding. I said, first of all, it was a lie. He did not fully fund all HBCUs. Two, the program he was talking about was created by President George W. Bush, 
was then followed through with Obama. It expired. Trump zeroed out the funding for the program in his budget. It was put back in by Congresswoman Alma Edwards of North Carolina, a Democrat, and that's how it got done. But again, he promoted the lie and folk fell for the okie doke. And I'm like, I ain't giving you credit because I know the truth behind the lie. And see, and this is this is the point here. Uh, and I'm I'm gonna close with this because I see we, we're over time. But I gotta say this here, and this is critically important. And again, why did I walk through what I'm talking about here? Facts are facts. And I've said this across the country. If you are a young voter and you are 18 plus, the numbers do not lie. We have seen an increase in voter turnout, 1839. But the lowest voting demographic, period, is 18 to 39. It's it's, it's, it's a fact. You could drop your head, bro, and you should drop your head. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem. You cannot, and again, I'm speaking about young voters overall, and I'm speaking about black people. You cannot complain about something in government and then not vote to change the folk. You can't complain about policy and not change the policy makers. You can't complain about policy, and then even if your candidate doesn't win, you don't show up to the city council meeting, the county commissioner's meeting, the state capitol, or the Congress. It is a participatory process here. And the mistake that we keep making is that we believe that there's some other group out there that's going to change this. No, it's us. If you want to see change here, if you think the MAGA person running against Kim uh, is awful, you can throw her out. But you got to show up to do it. You got to be registered to do it. And so the registration deadline's already passed. But if you register, you can, we can file a provisional ballot. So even if somebody today is not registered, they can still register, but they have to vote with a provisional ballot. But I can guarantee you, the one, and I can guarantee you this, bruh, the guaranteed way something never changes is if we complain and do nothing about it. That's the case in Virginia, in Kentucky, in Mississippi, in Texas, everywhere. So everybody who's watching, uh, we're going to be in Richmond next Thursday uh, for our last town hall. We're going to have other candidates on talking about these issues. But if you out there and you're watching and listening and you keep saying, Voting solves nothing. I can guarantee you when you sit at home, it's some other people who are showing up. And then when they start getting stuff and you say, why are they getting stuff? Because they showed up and they voted. And that's how it works in America. Let me thank all of our candidates. Let me thank all of you. Let me thank, let me thank the Virginia House Democrats for partnering with us. Folks, I'm going to be back in studio tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to show you a video. I had to. I'm going to show you a video. It's a bunch of young people on social media who are mad with Biden, with what's happening in Israel and Gaza, and they're saying that, that they're not going to vote. And I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to break down for you why that is absolutely nonsensical, because you can't say I want student debt relief and Republicans opposed it, but Biden has canceled $127 billion in student loan debt. But then you say, why did he cancel more? This side don't want to cancel any of it. $127 billion is being canceled. Folk, 
You got to think much broader and deeper because when you vote, you're not voting just for today. You literally are voting on policies that will impact us 20, 30 years from now. Thanks a bunch. I'll see you guys tomorrow on Rolling Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Holla! Folks, Black Star Network is here. I'm real um, revolutionary right now. I support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Rolling. Hey, I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.